Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. Uh, I'm really excited tonight. We are talking to Sasha Rosser, a Madison comedian. Uh, and Sasha, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, thanks for having me, Kristen. I recently quit having a day job. So by Ooh. describing me as a stand-up comedian, that covers a lot of it now. Um, and the, the joke I'm saying about that is that I can you know, write off all my alcohol purchases as business expenses. It's nice, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but up until then I was a data scientist and, um, I did a lot of boring stuff that I didn't want to do anymore to be perfectly frank. So I've been doing a lot more stand-up comedy since then and doing a lot of producing in the most recent place that I saw Kristen was when I had you headline my show comedy plus, which mixes burlesque and stand-up and sometimes music. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, it was great to have you on it. And it's just because I, I like uh, comedy, but I also feel like burlesque is very similar. But rather than it being like an emotional or intellectual stripping, it's literal stripping. They, they seem similar to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I figured it's a, a good combination to do. Yeah, I love the show. I feel like all the acts partner together very well. And you know, we don't have enough variety. I think it was a very cool format and I was very excited to do it. Nice. I was excited to have you. So uh, I am excited to have you on and I think I know the answer to this question, but how do you feel about horror movies? <laughs> I have so many feelings about them. <laughs> um, I think uh, if we want to like go all the way back to the origin, uh, have you seen the movie The Cell with yeah. Jennifer Lopez? and what? Vince Vaughn no oh man okay well allow me to give you a very brief overview um this movie is about going into I think it's a serial killer's mind and you're basically in his dream world and you feel like you're really there and uh this therapist goes in there to try to figure out where I think a missing boy is I forget the exact plot I'm seven years old when I see this movie and it involves Vince Vaughn's intestines being spun around on a spit at one point. There's um, a horse that gets cut into like eight different pieces. There's a giant, incredibly ripped woman who's like carrying an unconscious man over her shoulder. And a lot of this imagery like is still very deeply in my brain, not in a traumatic way, but in a like, whoa, like this is gnarly. And I think that's when I realized I had a taste for things that were fucked up and weird. Yeah, um, and honestly, when you said Vince Vaughn and J Lo, I would I would assume rom com, you know? Right? Like, it's not that at all. Huh. <laughs> it was that I saw this at a sleepover where we watched three movies. Couldn't tell you what the other two were. All the other kids at the sleepover fell asleep during the first two. The cell just auto plays because that's how they have it set up. And I watch it and I'm like, I will never sleep again. Not because I'm scared, but because I'm obsessed with this movie. Um, but yeah, and then I didn't see another horror movie until I was 11 because my mom wouldn't let me watch Alien. She thought it would freak me out. Oh, that's yeah. a very important movie for I know. young minds to see a strong woman character. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then like a dope orange cat, I would all yeah. say a good sci-fi trope, but a, a good character uh, in that movie. And honestly, I wanted to see it really badly when I was nine. And she was like, you're too young. It will scare you. And I later realized, no, it scared her. By the time I turned 11, I was like, this movie is not scary. I've worked it up in my mind. That's like Vince Vaughn having his ass blown up. Like, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And it was not that uh, horrifying, but definitely a great horror film. Ah, so yeah, yeah, that Cell was the first horror movie you saw, huh? 
Yeah, unless you count what's the last part of Fantasia where it's the um Wusserski piece where there's like a giant demon. Oh. You know, the night on a bald mountain, that piece. That's sort of horrifying if you're five years old. But I also yeah. loved that. I felt the same about Pinocchio. That Oh yeah. Oh man, that's it's fucked up. Shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Some Disney movies have horror elements in them. I think what is it, Alice in Wonderland and Dumbo also have some sequences that if you're young enough or you've been like tripping, boy, <laughs> whoo, it take oh, you man, to another scene, dimension. Oh, that scene in Dumbo where the drunk people are like hurting his mom, like yeah, oh, that's terrible. That's brutal. Now that I think about it, I saw lots of horror movies before the cell because I was watching Disney films. Yeah, uh, Disney adults are weirdos. Like <laughs> they are. <laughs> I still stand Mulan. That's a good movie, but I, I don't know if I'll be like wearing the merch anytime soon. I think you should just lean in. Like this is your new identity. I mean, I dress like a man, so <laughs> there's that part of liking Mulan a lot. I was like, I'd go to war to keep my dad from doing it. Do I have a sword? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish my husband talked me out of buying one at a, at a store recently. It's like this old antique shop. And frankly, it was correct. It was not that good of a sword, but I, I get excited about swords. Yeah, I, I could see that. You've got, you know, a sword persona. I could see it. Like you should bring it out on stage with you and just like set it on the stool. I would like that. Oh, dangerous, but maybe I will do like a Ren Fair themed comedy show. That'd be pretty dope. I don't know if I answered your questions. What do horror movies mean to me? I don't know. They're gnarly, I guess, is the short answer. And I like gnarly stuff. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Which also uh, leads us nicely into the movie that you chose for us to talk about, which is Tokyo Gore Police, which I had never seen, but it's a 2008 film, which actually uh, stars Aihi Shina, who you might remember as from the star of Audition, which we talked about with Ariel Atkins on the podcast as well. So she plays Ruka, who is uh, someone who has seen her father, a police officer, be brutally murdered. So she decides to pick up his life's work and go into the police force, which has been privatized. That's a big theme of the movie. And she is fighting engineers who are people who are criminals who, when they are injured in some way, they mutate. So their body produces weapons. And I got to say, when I first heard this was a splatter film that you had picked for us to watch, I was a little bit like, oh, geez, Uh, splatter and splatter and slasher. They're not my favorite, but this Mm -hmm. movie was awesome. It was so deep. I loved it. I love an anti-privatization theme. Yeah. And the humor blew me away. So Sasha, why did you pick this film? I mean, first of all, I want to say thank you for giving that summary of the movie because I have watched this maybe 10 times at this point and I still could not give you a full summary of the plot. (laughs) I I don't know what happens in the movie. Here's what I can tell you. There's a chair that pisses on people. (laughs) There's a snail woman. There's a man who gets his penis bitten off and then it turns into a cock rocket. Mm -hmm. Um, What else is there? There is unfortunately, but also confusingly, a, a, a pinheaded man who has got blackface, but is also maybe Chinese or like a stereotype of Chinese people. It's a lot to read into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to show this movie at movie nights in college, kind of to get people acquainted with, first of all, like my taste in movies. And I 
first learned about it because I was like collecting satirical Japanese gore films. The first of which is this film called Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. And it comes up on all these lists of like goriest movies ever. It's this scene where a man strangles another man with his own intestines. And I was like, this is demented. Like this is weird, but for whatever reason, the movie is actually kind of good because that movie also has this anti-privatization um, theme, except Ricky O is anti-privatizing the prison system. Oh. And then... Tokyo Gore Police is definitely like, I would say, anti-privatizing the police and also just like anti-glorifying violence in general. So I, I don't know if you're a fan of RoboCop, um, also similar themes, and it has these made up commercials in the movie. And the one in RoboCop that everyone knows is like, I'd buy that for a dollar. And Tokyo Gore Police has these absolutely demented commercials where they're like, we now have a really cute razor you can slit your wrists with. It's so cute. And it makes your blood taste better. It just yeah. absolutely wild. And people are watching this stuff and they're like, oh yeah, this is like a normal societal stuff. And then it makes you realize like, how many of our commercials are like this? So I rewatched this movie today and I watched it on Tubi and Tubi has ads. And I have just watched a scene where Ruka, the main character is fighting a man who's shooting his brains out of his own face through two tubes that grew out of his eyeballs. Um, does that make sense? Anyways, I've just wrapped up this scene and then an ad for a Nissan Pathfinder begins. <laughs> and I've like been in the mood for this film and I'm like, oh my God, is the Pathfinder going to like drive through a pile of carcasses and they're all going to explode in a shower of blood? That did not happen. But this movie will get you into that mindset. Um, I, again, don't know if I've answered your question. I chose it because it's crazy and it is really funny. It's got like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, pe I think people get what it's going for. It's not just like a gore movie. It's a, it's a comedy as well. Yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. The, uh, the first one of those ads kind of took me by surprise. Like I wasn't sure what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, but the first one is this guy who's like, he's lamenting the fact that he killed himself. And he's like, I wish I could have said my life was more important than my job. And it's an ad for stop the suicide. And uh, man, it just felt very topical. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I started thinking about I mean, suicide has a different I don't know. Uh, it's it's different in Japanese culture, I guess we'll say. It's less frowned upon in some ways. Um, and also I'm like looking at the way the police are dressed in the movie if they have like the Shogun helmets. And so I like started thinking about how far back is the satire reaching? Is it also satirizing the idea of like Bushido culture and a shogunate where there's a warrior class, which is not the same as like a police state or privatization for, uh, you know, like for comparison's sake, but it is potentially similar where if you want to have people under control, you have to pretend and make it seem like everyone's super, super violent. And then the police become more violent or the warriors become more violent. I started thinking heavily about this today. <laughs> there yeah, are a lot of themes. <laughs> definitely. Like when I lived in Chicago, I organized in, um, you, you know, we were organizing Rainbow Apparel, the clothing store, which they're in um, Inglewood and South Chicago and Roseland. And a lot of these neighborhoods, cops would just like you know, they'd have these huge militarized vehicles and they just drive up on the curbs and drive yeah. through parks. And like, you know, it just, it, it, it feels more like a military presence than actual police. And watching this movie, it did feel like, 
you know, we can never let Wisconsin Republicans see this movie. I feel like they would be <laughs> all about it. <laughs> yeah, they'd have the wrong takeaway. Yeah, but just that escalated police presence is, you know, I feel like over the years, police have been so much more militarized than when I was a little kid. Yeah. It's a terrifying presence, but you know, like they say, privatizing the police will lead to a more plentiful life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I found out about an interesting law. I don't know if it's a law, a, a protocol. It's a uh, police departments are given funding for weapons and defensive things. And if they don't use all of that stuff, whether it's artillery, bullets, the weapons, they don't use it, it gets taken away. So there's this perverse incentive to keep demanding more weapons, or otherwise you don't have the funding for them. And you feel like you're being, well, defund the police is now this um, like inflaming series of words. But and they, at the end of the day, it's like, what do you really need this money? Because if you have all these weapons, then it's creating an escalate, like an escalation situation where other people feel a need to defend themselves from the police. And then it's just like people warring when it should be about protecting and serving. I was about to say not to get political, but then I remembered I'm talking to you. Yeah, and you love to there. get political. <laughs> I'm normally I'm like, I gotta cut, I start gotta start talking about poop. <laughs> but yeah, the, the politics of it, I mean it's one of those things where yes, there are there's a scene where a man injects himself with steroids or something or like gorilla testosterone he's just had his legs severed and then he uses the blood spurts from his legs to fly around like superman and it's like does the police really need that kind of funding <laughs> that's just what i'm wondering <laughs> we need to defund that yes it seems excessive <laughs> you're absolutely right in that they get so much of our city's budgets when in fact some of that money, I'm not even saying all of it, some of it could go sure. to addressing root causes, you know, and providing social services. Oh, yeah. I know I'm a crazy radical. But <laughs> oh, you've been radicalized by the woke mob, Chris. Yeah. You got to oh, wake up from being woke. Um, you know, just to jump back real quick. To, um, <laughs> yeah. Right now, we are in the middle of election season in Wisconsin, and Ron Johnson is running against Mandela Barnes. And um, Ron Johnson keeps playing these ads that Mandela Barnes is like a raging socialist because he wants to have health care and you know for for all, and you know yeah. not give all our money to the police. So I just think it's kind of funny that um, you know it is September. It took him till September to call Mandela socialist. So like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, you thought his uh, campaign would do that right out the gate? Yeah, I thought right from the start, you know, so that, yeah. that showed restraint. <laughs> Maybe they're saving something even juicier for like late October. Oh, I'm sure they come out with something super racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I get to see those ads when I'm watching, watching my various shows and it just feels a lot like the usual bullshit slinging, but it's like, do we have to call everybody a socialist? Nobody even knows what a socialist is. A lot of people who call themselves socialists don't know what a socialist is. Very good point. I say that because when I was watching it, I also watched it on Tubi and it was all Ron Johnson ads. And it was like, <laughs> Ron That's Johnson. interesting. Yeah. I didn't get any. I got um, a ton of car insurance ads and then a few things that were like, 
make sure your kid actually this maybe was like kind of fitting for the ads that were in the movie like these fake ads about suicide and cutting yourself and whatnot oh no and i got an ad that was like just because the abuse is happening on a phone doesn't mean it isn't real and then like reveal a girl like receiving hurtful text messages and i was like this does feel dystopic this is very <laughs> dystopian <laughs> it's probably because you're in madison and the ad algorithm is like oh we know about them yeah right <laughs> Maybe they know something about my text messages that I don't know. Oh man! Ooh, yeah. But yeah, I uh, I'm, I don't like seeing these ads because it upsets me. Because I know how the people who vote certain ways will interpret them, and so many people have had their brains rotted by just like memes on Facebook. Oh yeah. And I'm like, how are you supposed to stay informed without it being super biased? Mm-hmm. Yes, because you find everyone finds their own echo chamber now, and uh, it's terrifying. Yeah, I just want to hear what I already think is real. <laughs> that feels nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just like wrapping myself in a burrito of comfort. Oh no, I like to be a little uncomfortable. Maybe that's the reason I like watching horror movies. To be honest, they make you uncomfortable. But I know um, my mom hates them. My sister hates them. But to be fair, my sister works with like trauma patients and veterans and women who are like in the prison system. And she's like, I see enough of that in my daily life that I don't really need to watch a horror movie. So I'm wondering, I'm like, is my life super peachy? I can watch horror movies because I haven't like endured something horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could think of it that way. I don't watch like law shows or dramas like that because I'm like, oh God, people talking about like work problems. Like that's what I do 40 hours a week. No, thank you. Yeah. You know, I either want it way over the top, like Tokyo Police Score or like, um, summer camp island so <laughs> right on that makes sense well i'm curious so you say you don't like splatter films most of the time and i i feel like i get that because there's a lot of torture porn stuff that feels like it's just indulgent for the sake of being indulgent and there's not really any underlying message it's like do you like blood and violence and i'm like well they can be entertaining but is there more to this and What's um the message yeah yeah there doesn't need to be a moral but like at least a joke i don't know um I'd appreciate that. You mentioned the audition. I mean, that's like a pretty brutal film. What did you think of that? Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember we were watching it thinking, what the hell? Like, it was very brutal. It's been a minute since I watched it, but I do remember also feeling immensely sad. Oh, yeah. What the character has to experience and endure. So yeah, this was, you know, probably a lot more fun for I Hate to Film because it's, you know, it was really fun. It was just silly. You know, it kind of felt like an old trauma film in a way, you know, like. Oh, yes. Um, and I think sometimes when you can tell that the special effects are extremely not great, that it takes away some of like that gut horror of like body horror and whatnot. There's a drawing and quartering scene in the movie, which starts off like, oh, are they gonna, are they gonna draw and quarter this lady? And then it's like very obviously a puppet. Mm -hmm. And um, that adds in a little bit of the like, hey, you can keep remembering that you, your disbelief is not an issue here. If you're worried that an actual person got drawn and quartered, it's okay, it's a puppet, it's kind of funny. So mm -hmm. that's something I think the movie has going for it. They could have probably upped the budget and made it super realistic, but I don't think that was the point. Yeah, I think um, it would have lost its fun and spontaneity. 
And, uh, oh yeah. You know, it wouldn't have been as much fun to see a woman be drawn in quarters. It was realistic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wanted to look fake, but have a message. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That's, uh, that's basically what I think is happening in the film. I was going to ask you, uh, so this is, I mentioned before, I don't actually really know what the plot is. I still, I sort of know what it is. I know there's a, like a quadruple amputee who fights with katanas by breakdancing. You know, I can tell you about select yeah. scenes. I want to know uh, more about that katana character. Right? It's kind of begging wow. for a sequel. I don't want to spoil this for people, but that character gets an upgrade at the end of the movie. And it honestly is just, I would love to see more. But mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's... we got full spoilers on here. So feel free. Oh, perfect. Well, she gets all of the katanas replaced with like gigantic... <laughs> machine guns humongous she's like on stilts that are machine guns incredible sponsored by the nra <laughs> it does feel that way um and also she has a button on her head that switches between manic and depressive mode i've never oh, met I didn't a... notice that okay oh yeah um i wish i had that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm manic now my katanas are out just keep hitting manic <laughs> No yeah. down, no down. I need to get, I need to get stuff done. Uh, I don't need sleep. No sleep till Brooklyn. I um. So that's a character in the movie. I uh, mentioned the pissing chair. I don't know if that counts as a character. It's, it seems like a person who's been skinned, but then still has a working bladder. I don't know. It's yeah, confusing. So I, I was kind of curious, like where that sex club, like. <laughs> Like, where does it fall into the plot? I mean, is it just to show that one cop is kind of a bad guy? Okay, I think it's to show that. So there's this sex club in the movie. And essentially what happens is there's a honeypot situation. There's a very attractive girl there. All of the girls, though, have bizarre traits. One who I described earlier is snail woman. She has little snail shells on her nipples. She has a big snail shell on her back. And she also has, um, much like snails have the sort of antennae where their eyes are at the tips, her eyes are on stalks and like tubes at the tips of tubes that have been stuck into her eye sockets so this is one of these prostitutes that you can get at this sex club and the cop goes for number 69 uh, a lady whose nipples have been basically sewn shut with like teeth or something and she's super cute and they (laughs) not that that's what i'm into but anyway i mean you do you you know (laughs) (laughs) cool we're not kink shaming on this pod Uh oh she's i think a honey pot for the villain of the story or arguably the hero the guy who's like making engineers to fight the corrupt police and if you like look at the um the flashbacks she's his lab assistant so i think he's like enlisted the help of the people who used to work in his lab to be prostitutes or at least pose as prostitutes or be engineers themselves in order to take down this privatized police force and like show to them what violence they have wrought upon society instead of actually protecting society. That's huge. I love that. I like, I wasn't sure what that alignment was, but like sex workers overthrowing the police, that's pretty badass. Right? That's like Sin City. Doesn't that happen at Sin City? I don't know. So, oh, have you not? Th- <laughs> oh man, that's a. Uh, Another great gory film with some strong messages. A bunch of hookers get together and fight the cops. Oh, oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that in so long. I do need to rewatch that. <laughs> it's a goodie. Uh, okay, like so it. you have this beautiful reassessment, and my takeaway, I just wrote WTF, really big in my notes. <laughs> I don't know if I actually picked up on that until this rewatch. And I saw, I'm sorry, I keep jumping off and talking about other movies. Well, stay focused. Tokyo Gore Police, Tokyo Gore Police. 
But um, yes, this time that that scene made more sense to me. There's just this exhibit of prostitutes. They're using that as a honeypot situation to ensnare corrupt cops. And then they bite off their dicks and turn them into warriors that have a cock rocket. Ooh, and there's somebody who has acid spray nipples later too. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think that's one of the lab, lab techs that was originally working with the first engineer as it were. Um, I have a question for you. I still don't understand this part of the movie. There's a, a sequence where Ruka takes off her police uniform. She still considers herself to be a member of the police force at this point in the movie. Later, she has her eyes opened and she decides she's actually going to take down the guy who's trying to basically secure his position as the leader of the privatized police force that is just going around killing people. And um, she takes off her uniform and she dresses up in a kimono. She's looking gorgeous, looking like she's out for a night on the town. And it seems more like she's just going out on a vigilantism thing because like some guy squeezes her butt in a train and then she basically takes him outside and just cuts his hands off and then later goes and hunts down some engineers and my question is what is what the fuck was that (laughs) is that her being batman or is that part of her job i had no idea well you know i have heard that that public groping is a huge phenomena in japan that women are really pissed about so um, you know, maybe that was just like editorial comment about like, stop doing this and we'll cut your fucking hands off. But I, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, I do think maybe that was kind of a moment of Ruka gaining her own power and like starting to realize she has her own agency outside the police force, maybe. Right on. I like both so of those I, takes. Cause I love I, it. The, the groping stuff. Yeah. It's partly because of Um, Not that I'm a super big expert on this. I lived in Japan for a little while and it's very densely populated. And uh, you're like on a train car, you're squished like, you know, sardines in a tiny train car. Um, And so it's very easy to rub against somebody's butt and be like, oh, we're just we're just squished together. My bad. It was an accident. Um, But then, of course, it's an easy way to cover up actually squeezing people in public. Right. And Mm -hmm. molesting them, which is indeed inappropriate. So then it's like, oh, we'll cut your hands off if you do this. I love that. Um, the other thing, of course, is that it's like simultaneously a very sexual culture. There used to be vending machines that you could like get used underwear out of that were supposedly guaranteed used within the last 12 hours. Um, at the same time, it's like they have pixelated porn and everything's very repressive. So it's like you have this hypersexual culture that's also very hyposexual, just like trying to stamp that out. And then also that kind of manifests itself in situations where it's like people are very horny and then they grab people on the train and they shouldn't and they just need good outlets so i think that's also an undertone of tokyo gore police is there's like some of these sexual elements to it in addition to the violence and gore um i don't really know what the message is about the sex stuff but it is there roped in with the gore perhaps is another thing that's like needs to be more healthily dealt with in society yeah I mean, I wasn't sure what to think about that either, because it, it had sort of like a BDSM feel with some of the characters as well, yeah. like the bondage gear that they would wear. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first time on my podcast where I'm just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was this movie about? I don't know. <laughs> we did extract the themes, I think, or at least some of the themes. The themes are more obvious than the plot, oddly enough. Yeah. I mean, I I think the main theme that jumped out at me with the engineers is this idea that 
you know, no matter how much money you dump into a police budget until you address root causes, there will always be crime. And even if you do address root causes, if you have oppressive laws that try to dictate morality, there will always be crime anyway. Right. And crime will mutate depending on what you try to do to make it stop. So that's why I kind of like the idea of these engineers, like their bodies physically change when you, when the police try to, you know, uh, capture them or hurt them. Right. Yeah. I, I like that idea of, because well, like police brutality, bad thing. But then what if when somebody who is a member of the police force is brutal to somebody who is their victim, it's like, well, now we have the weapons. Try defunding this, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like the and idea of the, of the. Again, that statement you were pointing to, like things will always escalate. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's to get rid of poverty that takes care of a lot of things. Am I wrong? I'm not. A, I'm not an expert. You crazy communist! <laughs> you doing this just? I'm such a communist. My mom grew up in communist Russia, and I got to tell you, really, there's wow. certain things that like, yeah, there's certain things that people don't understand about like how safe it was if you followed the rules. Maybe <laughs> there's other stuff like if uh, if you're a little kid and you're walking home alone. You were probably you probably had nothing to fear, even living in the capital city of the Soviet Union. Like it was just that safe. But if you got the wrong police person, or if you're like the member of a family that is under suspicion, you are not safe at all. And the punishment is going to be severe and the highest. So like my mom tried to leave the Soviet Union and marry my dad, who was an American, and oh, like her brother got kicked out of med school. She got like detained for a very long time. She wasn't allowed to work anymore, but it's also illegal to not work in the Soviet Union. So communism, I mean, this is just like one brand of a, uh, of it, but uh, it has its own relationship with police forces that manifest differently in different countries. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm getting where off on a real big tangent. Oh, oh no, she's in Moscow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, and also probably had like a more idyllic experience than most because like, members of the family were related to people who are like official communist party leaders but then also somebody in her family was put in jail forever because they were suspected to be a german spy they weren't but they were under suspicion so they just got to be in prison forever uh it's it's a punitive place but beyond that it's like i don't know had a lawyer and a doctor for parents life's pretty good she also was like a grade A student and didn't didn't misbehave. And I'm like, if you misbehaved, well, I get a very different impression of Soviet Russia. I think I might have. <laughs> she was like very valedictorian type of uh, personality. I think I would have been arrested within um, 10 years of being alive there. <laughs> Terrible at following rules. Jeez, a lawyer and uh, you, you said a lawyer and what? And a doctor, yeah. A lawyer and a doctor. a doctor. Jesus, no pressure. Oh, right. <laughs> You know, she ended up working for the government as an economist, so she did pretty well for herself until she betrayed her country by liking a liking an American. Ew, <laughs> gross. <laughs> he was also an economist. They were being real teenagers about it. Like, oh, we have the same hobbies. <laughs> that's cute. That is cute. <laughs> but okay, yeah, that's like a tangent. I've been learning. I've been trying to learn more about the Soviet Union's police force. Um, just because I'm curious about my heritage. And uh, it's bad. It's bad. It's nothing good. Nothing good. All I can say is a few <laughs> times my mom got escorted home by police officers and they didn't do anything to it. And I'm like, well, that's nice. 
that is apparently an, an exception to the rule, but okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about the police, but <laughs> you know, in the United States, the history of our police force is that they're formed to hunt down runaway slaves. So like, hmm. Oh, that's not a great origin story. No. I gotta say. I know, I know a little bit about um, just like comparative training for police forces. And it's, I feel like who's drawn to the job makes you question the people who do it. So it's like Kyle Rittenhouse, for example, who uh. wanted to be a cop. And it's almost this perfect example of like, I just want an excuse to shoot somebody with a gun, which is like uh, wanting to protect people should not be an excuse to shoot people with a gun. Yeah, he was just fact. here this last week. Gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the film really speaks to the rise of fascism as well. And it's terrifying how easily people em- embrace that. I think we're seeing that a lot right now with Ka- someone like Kyle Rittenhouse being like a public speaker now. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> like- he's, he's a murderer. He did some impressive crying in court, and now everybody's decided he's not guilty of anything. I don't remember what the exact verdict was, but he basically got home scot-free, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. his mom drove him up to do it? Come on. Wiener. That's funny. <laughs> did you just say a wiener? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a wiener. I love that. Oh man, but I just, you I remember some crimes of, and have your mom drive you. Like, yeah. Just at least grow up and do it yourself. Not that I'm endorsing it in the first place, but man, whatever. It's a family enterprise. Um, I, I was reading about how people get trained to do police work in, for example, Sweden. And it's this like extensive, many, many years long program where basically what you're taught is like every single possible method you have to not use your gun. Mm-hmm. You have one, but like your job is to try to find any way you can to not use it. Whereas here, I feel like that's the first thing you do. Just like you pull out the gun and uh, that galvanizes people to also have a really aggressive attitude towards police. And it's just, it, it doesn't um, improve circumstances. So there's the root causes, things like poverty, making sure there's like community building and things that allow people to have stuff to do other than be bored and mm-hmm. poor um and then also teaching cops to not come into situations with this initial assumption of it being an aggressive situation i agree bring cookies i don't know (laughs) what's this has anybody said just turn the word gun around and turn it into nug like instead of a gun replace it with a nug (laughs) just chill out oh you madison kids oh yeah we love weed (laughs) (laughs) what if all the cops smoked weed would we be safer no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. Well, we've, the discussion has been solved. <laughs> oh, I did have a positive interaction with the police officer exactly once. Hmm. Not that I'm trying to endorse the police, but, you know, people say a cab and I was like, well, <laughs> maybe, but that was, that was an okay one. I, I wasn't angry afterwards. I'm usually freaked out and angry, but yeah, he said he didn't like guns and uh, I had a show, I was running a show in Madison and uh, somebody publicly posted on Facebook this vague threat. Oh was like, I'm gonna get you, enemy. And this was somebody who'd just been recently uh, uh, released from jail after shooting at a bunch of cats and then had oh. been posting a bunch of aggressive stuff. That's the worst part. Like, why would you shoot at a cat? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So anyways, for whatever reason, he got released from jail. There's no, he's not supposed to have any weapons. 
our laws aren't that great. And uh, he posts this weird thing. So I get a notice from the club being like, do you know this person? Should we get a police presence at this show? And I'm like, boy, not something I ever want at a show. But now I do have to talk to the Madison Police Department. And I did happen to talk to a person who was like, man, this sucks. Wish that guy didn't have the ability to get guns after he shot at a bunch of cats and was arrested and then was posting threatening things online. But that's the laws we have. And I was like, no, we're on the same page about this. Or you're very diplomatic and you know how to talk to liberals. So that's really scary. I've just been seeing more and more on Facebook, uh, more friends and social media overall, really, and just more friends experiencing shootings and you know, luckily surviving, but I just hate so much that that's like part of our lives now. Oh yeah. It's terrifying. It really is. And that is one thing I will speak to the uh, Tokyo police (laughs) or Tokyo Gore police that their (laughs) video actually showed police stopping a school shooting. Yeah. That wouldn't make sense here. People like this is, this is fictional, but it's not believable. (laughs) Yeah. So how did it turn out? At the, was the, the show was fine? That per, I take it that person didn't show up. The person did not show. The show was fine. It does like cost money to do these types of things, so I hated having there to be like a monetary strain due to like some random, basically just a random crazy person posting things on Facebook. Facebook is the worst. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the show was fine. Nobody got shot. There wasn't a bomb. Good lord! Great way to start off doing comedy shows. <laughs> That was Comedy Plus, the one you did. Hey, congratulations. No one was detonated at the show. We lived and it was fun. I should start selling t-shirts. Like I survived and guess what? Some people don't want that to happen. That's not good. That's not good merch at all. Okay, I mean, I'll all that. publicity is good publicity, right? I suppose. Maybe I should uh, screenshot some of those Facebook posts. Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'll think about Producing that later. Producing so fun, you know? <laughs> it's great. Uh, I'm training a like a production Padawan right now, Ooh. and he's already getting to deal with like people dropping out of the show. And I'm like, oh, just just you wait, just you wait until suddenly all of your tech fails on you like five minutes before the show, and you tested everything. Oh, you're gonna have so much fun producing. It's great, <laughs> super fun. <laughs> yeah, you get to produce this podcast. Is that is that a lot of like I've never produced a podcast. I don't know what go I don't know what goes into it. I enjoy this. I, I have mastered GarageBand to the best of my ability. Nice. And uh, I edit pretty well. I am actually starting a don't tell up here. So Ooh. putting the producer hat back on. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I like it because don't tell takes care of everything so that you know it's idiot proof pretty much. So I can just do comedy and not have to have producer panic. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah. And if it, uh, congratulations. I know Don't Tell is like quite syndicated. I don't know if that's the right word. Franchised? I think so. Ubiquitous? Yeah. The fact that they take care of a lot of the work is, is nice. They got the algorithms, man. Oh, yeah. They're being controlled by the machines. But they know how to get things done. Kristen Lighty, part of the machine. Hey. <laughs> We're just cogs in the works. It's fine. I found out it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be part machine. I That's like a goal I have. Oh, my hip joint is like, it's like seven. For those of you who don't know, I have a fake hip. Uh, nice. So my joint is metal and it is like 
this seven pound spike of metal. I got to hold it in my hand before it you know, was put in. And I was like, I could really mess someone up with this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do feel like a little bit robot, which is that's cool. that's dope. That's very <laughs> biblical. There is, I believe, a part of the Bible where Samson takes down 1000 men with the jawbone of an ass, a donkey. And like you could you could use your hip bone to take down a thousand men. Oh, you should write another book of the Bible for you. You can be the newer Testament. <laughs> Don't do that. Sorry, that's not a good piece of advice at all. <laughs> but it's kind of badass. Yeah. Oh, okay. So to bring us back to the movie, I was thinking a lot about Ruka and how I really feel like Ruka threw herself into her work to try and cope with her dad's murder. Oh, yeah. Um, but Ruka should have had therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, it's like when people say, oh, I, I, I witnessed this traumatic event or experienced this traumatic event, and then they enlist. It's like, do you need to potentially kill people to deal with this? Is that is that healthy? I don't know. I feel like that's more trauma. You're going to have to keep enlisting. I agree. And then it, it seems like her only friend is a bartender and she sleeps on the bar. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it's this person who gives her a friendship bracelet, which is, I, I love that in this movie where people are getting constantly dismembered and shooting their brains out of their own face. And uh, also one woman, her injury is her legs get removed and they're replaced with a giant alligator mouth. Yeah, Incredible. that was cool. Yeah. Very badass. Um, that there's like friendship bracelets in there too. That's nice. Yeah. Made it kind of sweet, did. but then that lady got drawn and quartered. So, and the friendship bracelet broke. <laughs> it's very symbolic, Phil. The director is like symbolism. Get it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good movie to teach middle schoolers about symbolism. Really on the nose. <laughs> oh my lord! If you've already seen the cell, it's probably okay. Yeah, but no, yeah, she she sees. So the very beginning of the movie is she sees her dad like friendly waving at her in some public thing and at, you later realize that oh he's like trying to keep the police not privatized mm -hmm. and this assassin shoots him in the head but you don't see that at the first scene all you see is this scanners-esque moment where his head explodes and then she's like oh bummer that's mm -hmm. very upsetting but yeah and then she's like i'm gonna be a cop which really <laughs> really makes you wonder <laughs> what 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 did most cops go through besides wanting an excuse to shoot people? Yeah, well, you know, I became a union organizer because my dad uh, almost died in an explosion at his mill. So maybe there is something with dads exploding. You got <laughs> <laughs> That's very intense. And I didn't realize that was um, part of your motivation. I'm glad your dad did not explode. Yeah, he is okay now. He uh, they rebuilt his legs, and because he didn't smoke, the doctors did that with muscles from all over his body, and Whoa. he learned to walk again. So Incredible! I people, Don't smoke. <laughs> You're both RoboCops now, though. Yeah, we did both learn how to walk again. <laughs> nice. I just want to be part robot because I don't know. It's cool. I don't have a legitimate reason to do it. I just saw <laughs> RoboCop and I thought it was great. Whatever. Would it be better to have robot body or alligator legs, alligator mouth legs? I think, well, alligator mouth legs look so cool and like you could definitely do a lot of damage, but I think it's hard to get close to people. Like I think they could outrun you very easily. 
That's true. That's true. And you know, a lot of people, they're not that into biting. How are you yeah. supposed to wrap your legs around someone when they're covered in teeth? Like, come here, come here. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> I was curious. What is your favorite mutation of the film? Oh God. Okay. That's a great question. And I don't actually know because they have all these prostitutes who don't clearly have mutations that are engineer mutations like they, they don't seem like it was an injury they may be more body mod i very much love the pissing chair the pissing chair is <laughs> absolutely deranged it is like the culmination of the sexual exhibit they show snail woman they show like you know sewn up tits woman they show some other lady and then the pissing chair appears and pisses on everybody in the audience and they are loving it this they is the headliner <laughs> yes headliner is pissing on us fuck yeah um, so big fan of the pissing chair, but I don't know if that qualifies as the uh, one of the mutations. Big fan of the cock rocket. That's pretty dope, I gotta say. Yeah. Um, and also, this is a weapon that I don't think an engineer has, but he shoots arms at people out of a giant revolver. And at one point, they are actually um, changing the conformational state of their fists, and they're giving the finger. And eventually, they all flip around this fiber and then impale him so he just gets murdered by a bunch of middle fingers that he shot at his enemy it doesn't make any goddamn sense but that's fun best mutation though yeah it's got to be the cock rocket or the alligator legs those are very gnarly yeah they were very very fun <laughs> gotta love the break dancing you know uh quadruple amputee gimp character you know that's beautiful. yeah yeah, that was just so visually stunning, like when they were on the katanas. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I would like a movie about that person. <laughs> I would as well. How did they end up in this situation? Are they going to become more independent after the uh, events of this film? I have all these questions. That well, seems know, like a protagonist. Yeah, in the final scene, it's uh, her and the katana person who is now on guns but it made me think, oh, it really is about the friends you make along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to make friends, but I did. <laughs> and now we're best friends. Hey, she lost a best friend and she gained a gimp and also oh. a best friend. So I think that at the end, it's a happy ending. It's not entirely clear what happens to the chief engineer. And I also love that this is kind of like, because whatever reason, they decided to name the people who they also get implanted with a key. That's what gives them the ability to be injured and then grow a weapon in place of the injury. Yeah. Um, the fact that the translation of whatever they're called in Japanese is engineer makes it seem so very much like STEM fields versus police. Yeah. Which again, <laughs> kind oh. of on point. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I wonder what the Japanese word is though, because engineer is probably like kind of a sidelong translation. Hmm. It might yeah, be like I'd be curious. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how to say anything in Japanese besides like, "Where's the bathroom?" or <laughs> "Chopsticks, please," because always getting forks, and I, I like using my special sticks. <laughs> nice. Anyways, <laughs> um, uh, so any uh, you know favorite other favorite parts? Other favorite parts. Let me look at what I, I wrote down here, a bunch of other movies that I thought of as like satires of privatization, like Robocop, Death Race. I mentioned Rikio, the story of Ricky, Tokyo Gore Police, obviously in there. Um, we talked about the acid spraying nipples. 
what else is there? It's really easy to sell people on this movie if they're comfortable with gore because there's just so much horrifying stuff in it. Like, where do you even begin? There's the pissing chair. Well, we've covered a lot of the good ones. We even talked about the rocket fuel legs spraying blood so that a man could turn into Superman. Like, what else is there to say, Krista? What's your favorite mutation? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> My favorite mutation, obvious. I honestly love the guy, uh, the, the main engineer whose head gets cut open and then the brain guns come out. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was really cool. It's incredible. <laughs> He's and shooting then, his brains at you. Yeah. And then Ruka in the end with that laser eye, like, that was pretty cool, too. She has one of the most visually badass mutations. She ends up, I think her arm gets cut off. And so she has this like sort of crocodile arm with a tongue that works like a, almost like a Catwoman whip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then she has like the laser eye that's also all very gruesome and bloodied, but then allows her to like zoom in on things. She can go enhance. She can do that classic <laughs> hacker thing, <laughs> which is like what every movie truly needs is somebody who can actually enhance images. Yes. So, yeah. What would you want your mutation to be? Let's say um, you have your hip needs to be replaced, Ooh. but instead of getting that you know, metal beam essentially, which is what I assume you have, or like metal hip shaped object. You know, what, are you, I, what are you looking for? I would love for it to actually just extend down with a wheel and become like a scooter I could ride on. That would be awesome. Wow. I love that. <laughs> You're like, I just want it to be functional. I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe a knife too in there. I don't know. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. I need it. You know, if I am going to be part of this crew. That's true. It does seem dangerous. Oh, I, I like a, you're right that I like swords so I feel like instead <laughs> of having what vibes. Rope, I do have sword <laughs> vibes and I straightened my hair today you should see it when it's all curled up in Game of Thrones looking um yeah I want to have like a sword that can pop out the side of my leg nice <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah brother yeah so you know we are drawing close to the end so I'm curious what are your final thoughts on this film my final thoughts are people who can handle some over-the-top gore should absolutely watch it. I highly recommend it um, for the commercials, but also for the fact that it is just like a, such a ridiculous movie. And I also recommend, if you like this, to watch Rikio, the story of Ricky, because it is similarly satirical. And it is, I would say, even funnier and more ridiculous. There is an assistant warden whose office is full of pornography and he keeps mints in his fake eyeball, which he extracts using his hook hand. So that's my sales pitch for both. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad you picked it. It was a really fun take on fascism. And Hell yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm anti-fascist, obviously, but for the most part, like, I just believe things have to exist for the common good. And when we keep pushing towards profit and privatization, you know, I think we as a society lose our soul and our, uh, you know, ability to care for each other. Oh, yeah. So that's what Tokyo Police Corps taught me. <laughs> I think that's what many people will take away from it. Or they'll learn that they want to have sex with an alligator's mouth. <laughs> It's really a choose your own adventure. (laughs) Yeah. So what are you working on these days? I am. Well, so, I mean, I mentioned I'm doing stand up full time now. So I have various little goalposts in terms of trying to work at different clubs and get longer sets recorded and that kind of thing. 
But since we're talking about horror movies, um, something I also do and is not make me nearly as much money, but I very much enjoy it as I make synthwave music. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's very much of the ilk of like the 70s and 80s John Carpenter soundtrack type of things, like um, very synthy and like very spooky, kind of like Nine Inch Nails, but with more of that spooky 80s sound. That's so, and so cool. I'm trying to, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I'm trying to wrap up a, an album. And uh, once I'm done with that, I'll probably start cranking on another one. I can't stop pooping at these damn albums. They don't make me any money, but I have to get the poison out. And that's the, I feel like jokes are my way of like getting my silliness out and like my dumb horniness out. Whereas the synth wave is like all the emotions. <laughs> it's whatever. We're all complex. We contain multitudes, right? So that's something I'm working on right now. That's awesome. And um, where can people hear your music? Um, it's on SoundCloud, it's on Bandcamp, it's on Spotify, it's on all the things, YouTube. Um, it's my, I go by Xandroid, which is like the end of Alexander, Alexandra, but then Android at the end instead. So E-X-A-N-D-R-O-I-D. Um, that is, my, my legal name is Alexandra Sasha's the Russian nickname. And uh, yeah, so SoundCloud's the, the free, easy way to listen or Spotify. Awesome. I, mean, I guess that's not free. I don't know anything about Spotify, actually. I just know that my music is there. Nice. Yeah, we'll have all those links in the episode so people can check it out. And I'm excited to hear it. Love some synth pop. That'll be right cool. done. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast and sharing this movie with me. Um, yeah. Been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Thank you, Kristen. Why are you creeping up?